Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to always come early for the games, and there's 10,000 people there for our warm-up. It's a love affair. Uh, it's a love affair with the NBA. It's ingrained, I think, from the cradle. You know, there's religion, there's politics, and there's basketball. It got to the point where Fizz and my other assistant, Chad Camera, were signing kids' foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> my legacy was 42 years ago, but these people act like it was yesterday. You had lunch with him? Yeah, but I wasn't able to eat. <laughs> I was like, just like, stars <laughs> We had like... lunch. Cat sat next to him. Hey, if we can be partial contributors to being dream makers, I'm all for it. Picture a place where basketball is everywhere. From the air you breathe to soil beneath your feet. Where people hoop anywhere and everywhere, from NBA-ready arenas to the middle of streets to the slopes of active volcanoes. Where the most common item in people's wardrobes is a jersey and the soundtrack to everyday life is a bouncing ball. This place, this hoop's heaven, is the Philippines. Basketball, basketball, where our chinelas were standing tall. When you travel through the country, you're guaranteed to see people outside shooting, driving, and defending on dirt and concrete courts. And they're playing either in bare feet or with just flip-flops or chinelas on their feet. 
But for real, the Philippines' passion for basketball is off the charts. Don't take my word for it, though. We asked Donna Reyes, Director of Content and Media Distribution at NBA Asia, to bring us the numbers. We'll hear from Donna later in the episode. You know, 62% of the general population in the Philippines consider themselves NBA fans. That's the largest percentage among all countries. And two-thirds of households in the Philippines watched NBA coverage last season. It's no surprise that basketball caught on in the Philippines. Basketball has caught on almost everywhere, but no other country and people have embraced the game the way Filipinos have, where it's almost a national religion. Welcome to Hoops Paradise, the Philippines' love of the game, brought to you by iHeartRadio and the NBA. What's up, everyone? I'm Cassidy Hubbard. If you're a basketball fan, you may know me from the NBA sidelines, where I'm a reporter for ESPN and the host of the show Hoop Streams. But what you might not know, unless you're Filipino, in which case you almost definitely know, is that I'm Filipino-American and that basketball is in my blood. Not just because it's a national obsession in the country where my mother was born, but because I grew up playing around the world with my dad in the driveway of our home right outside of Chicago. My father's roots are Irish and German, but his love for the game would be right at home in the Philippines. Even now, he just turned 70 and he still has a regular pickup run. He spent a lifetime around American basketball, and so have I. I've only gotten the chance to go back to the Philippines with my mom twice. I've seen enough to know that basketball is a huge deal in the Philippines, but I don't know the country well enough to explain every aspect of its round ball infatuation, at least not like someone who grew up there could. Luckily, though, I'm taking this journey with someone who did grow up in the Philippines, and he understands the country's basketball Jones about as well as anyone on the planet. Nico, what up? Thanks, Cassidy. I'm Nico Ramos, a sports broadcaster here in Manila, where I used to have a job almost exactly like yours during NBA games, only I was a reporter and then a commentator for a professional league, which is called, in a very intentional nod to our American counterparts, the PBA, or Philippine Basketball Association. I played for a very small, very bad college team, but I used to tell everybody I was the only one who was going to make it to the PBA. I was right. Kind of. Nico, inside the lines or outside the lines, you made it. And in this podcast, we want to explore the Philippines' passion for the sport. How did a nation on the other side of the world, from the YMCA gymnasium in Springfield, Massachusetts, where Dr. James Naismith first hung a pair of peach baskets and instructed his students to toss a leather ball into the hoops, come to adore basketball like almost no other country on the planet? It's not like the Philippines is an international powerhouse. Unless you're at least 50 years old, the country hasn't sent a team to the Olympic basketball tournament in your lifetime. It also hasn't produced a single homegrown NBA player ever yet. And, well, we might as well address the undersized elephant in the room. Filipinos usually aren't very tall. In fact, statistically speaking, we're among the shortest people in the world. National surveys have repeatedly measured the average height of Filipino men at about five foot four. You know, we're still on average not at all people, so we have to be kind of creative to be successful on the court. That's Donna Reyes, Director of Content and Media Distribution at NBA Asia. 
So I think that's kind of the hallmark of Filipino basketball is that we're pretty good at like being creative. Uh, I, I like this word, a couple of words, I guess, like there's gulang, which literally means age. <laughs> In the basketball sense, it sometimes can take on a negative connotation. But I think for me, it just means using your smarts to make up for lack of like height or heft. But maybe a better word is madiskarte, uh, which I think kind of translates to being strategic. But I guess it's the same thing, right? To use your smarts to outsmart somebody and just kind of working around your physical disadvantages. Now, Cassidy, let me translate that for you because uh, Donna is the much more polite uh, Filipino <laughs> out of the three of us. All of that really adds up to uh, a grabbing of the wrist, yeah. a pulling on the jersey, a tugging on the opponent's shorts without the referee seeing. Scrapping. All of all of that adds up to gulang, and you know it's it it's kind of. It's kind of this badge of honor that you kind of earn when you're a young player. We all actually have these moments when we remember someone older telling us, "Ah, magulang kana," which means, <laughs> "Oh, now you know how to play. Now you really know how to play." Oh, I I feel like I need to start using that a little bit more here in the states and just like surprise <laughs> people. On paper, none of this adds up to the profile of a country made up of 100 million basketball junkies and NBA addicts. Yet, the two times I've visited family in the Philippines with my mom, I've seen the sport everywhere around me. Pickup games on every street corner, NBA stars past and present smiling down at me from a 12-story billboard, and live game broadcasts on TV from sunup to sundown. When it comes to Filipino fans' interest in NBA basketball, the numbers are mind-blowing. On social media, the league's Facebook page has more than 8 million followers from the Philippines. That ranks number two in the world, above every country but the states. Last season, viewers from the Philippines accounted for one-third of the total hours watched on the NBA's YouTube channel. And for all those critics who say the dunk contest has lost its charm, don't bring that mess to Manila because Filipinos watched almost 10 and a half million hours of NBA content last All-Star Weekend, about 20% of all worldwide consumption. Well, there's no stopping Filipinos from watching basketball and watching a lot of it. As they say, if you know, you know. When I worked as editor-in-chief of Slam Philippines, and even now in my position as senior brand director for Titan, I spend a lot of time in meetings with basketball and sneaker executives from other countries. And whenever I start sharing stats about the Filipino basketball obsession, or when I tell them stories about teenagers practicing step-back threes and their flip-flops, they can hardly believe what they're hearing. Basically, a big part of my job is to translate the country's national obsession to the international brands we work with, and to always be looking for ways to connect people through the sport. So does that mean you could tell me what's going on with the senator who has his own signature shoe? I thought you'd never ask, <laughs> but for the record, that wasn't us. Don't pin that on us. Titan was not the mastermind behind Senator Bongo's 2018 three-point king sneaker drop. That was a local apparel company called World Balance, and the shoe, a white and lime green low top with a mesh body. Yeah, it was a real thing. And yes, before you ask, the senator can stroke it from way, way downtown. The sneaker was a limited release of only 500 pairs, and they were mostly, you know, created to drum up publicity for Goz, can I say it, but successful Senate campaign that year. All in all, yes, there's no denying they were real. 
Local influencers even did unboxing videos on YouTube comparing the Three Point King's quote-unquote vibe and fit to the Nike KD 11s. Gotta be the shoes. And here I am, still waiting for New Balance to come out with the Obama Yes We Can mids. The intersection between basketball and politics in the Philippines, it's an amazing and often ridiculous way to illustrate how deeply the sport is ingrained in Filipinos' lives. All right, Cassidy, now it's my turn to ask a question. The times you did visit family here in the Philippines, what do you notice about basketball in the country? Well, regretfully, I've only been back twice. First time, I was so little, I can barely remember it. The second time, I was in college. And Filipino-Americans know how it goes. When we come home for a visit, our families basically kidnap us from the moment we land in Manila till they return us to the airport a few hours before the return flight. So the entire trip, we've been shuttled door to door from the family home to the mall, to the restaurant, to the beach, and, and then back. But I did spend a lot of time in traffic, <laughs> gazing at my surroundings from the back seat of my family car and During those hours, even when I wasn't looking for it, I saw basketball everywhere. There were vendors walking through the gridlock, selling things you'd expect like water bottles and air fresheners, but also items that seemed completely useless in a traffic jam, like feather dusters, toilet plungers, and yes, fully inflated bright orange rubber basketballs. Are people really working on their handles while waiting at red lights? I mean, smart, like... Get that handle work in when you can. But other times, I'd look out the window and see Magic Johnson's painted portrait staring right back at me, along with Byron Scott, James Worthy, and the rest of the Showtime Lakers starting five from the side of one of those public transport cheapneys. But what really struck me were the basketball courts. Every corner had its own makeshift half court, and every town plaza had a full court, complete with concrete bleachers, an aluminum roof, and an electronic scoreboard. A lot of them looked like they had fiberglass backboards and breakaway rims. You know how jealous I would have been of public courts like these during the middle school heyday of my playing career? Yeah, that's what makes the Philippines basketball heaven in a lot of ways. No matter how you connect with a sport, you're going to find a court, and more importantly, a level to play at. If you're elite, you're going to gravitate toward the elite guys. Now, If you're like me and you just want to sweat once or twice a week, there's that group for you too. If you're just hanging out or around your street and your flip-flops, there's a half court there that you guys built on an electricity pole. And playing there means something to you. Whether you live in a city or in the province, those courts are centers of community life. Sometimes it feels even stronger in the most rural areas where the basketball court serves so many functions. It's the open space where farmers lay down their rice crops out to dry. It's the banquet hall where the town holds beauty pageants and talent shows and 6 a.m. Zumba classes. It's the evacuation center when a typhoon threatens people's homes. And it's the spot where local governments administer public health programs like vaccination campaigns. And yes, even summertime community circumcision events. Don't ask. It's all in the basketball court. And I haven't even mentioned the basketball that's played there yet. Like, I've been lucky enough to play basketball all around the world. I played terrible Division III college basketball here in the Philippines. And to this day, the best feeling I've ever had while playing the game 
wasn't when I shared the court with Kevin Durant or Blake Griffin or mm-hmm. sneaker launch runs. You dropped something. What's that? Names. Oh, yeah, no. You dropped yeah, something. <laughs> should I double click on some details? Because uh, that... That time I played with KD, he was just talking trash at me because I airballed the jumper. He remembers me to this day as Manila No Jumper. <laughs> yes. He still calls me that. I'm um, bringing that up next time I see him at shoot around. And Blake Griffin once passed the ball to me and I shot a three and it went in. And I told him to please tell KD. And he said, that's really weird. So <laughs> while, while I name drop, the details, though, aren't something I'm really eager to share. <laughs> As I was saying, it's not when playing with those guys that I felt the best. It was on the court right down the street from my house in Marikina City. There was this one special summer where our neighborhood, which consists of three streets, was split into four teams. And the only rule was brothers and dads can't play on the same team. We have to split it up so that Mm. everyone makes friends with everybody. So in the finals, my dad was coaching his team and I was playing for mine. He was heckling me the entire game. (laughs) So when I hit a big three-pointer in the fourth quarter, that really pissed him off. To this day, that's my favorite basketball memory. Because seeing my dad not knowing if he was supposed to be proud of me or if he was supposed to be mad because he was losing, it's priceless. My two (laughs) brothers were there. That's your favorite basketball memory? (laughs) Yeah, because me and my two brothers were talking smack to my dad and we were like, that's what you get for not betting on one of us. It's true. Talk about tough love. My mom was there upset because everybody was late for dinner and the adobo that she had made was getting cold and she didn't go there to watch. (laughs) She just went there and crossed the street to tell the four of us to go home. Incredible. To this day, and this is no exaggeration, I still have people from that neighborhood come up to me and say, I was there when you hit that shot and your dad got pissed off. Everybody in the country has a story like that. The game is tied to our most cherished memories, the unforgettable moments shared with our whole communities. And even if those moments didn't come in a basketball game, they for sure happened on a basketball court. Yeah, in tenement, the one important place is the basketball court. You know why? The camaraderie there, the family itself, it's built there. That was Coach Eddie Barbuena describing the similar connection his community has with their central basketball court. Only their court and their community is unlike any other in the Philippines. It's the only street court in the nation that Jordan Clarkson, Paul George, and LeBron James have made round ball pilgrimages to. A place so special that LeBron left a cement imprint of his hand behind to mark his visit. That place is located in Taguig, one of the 17 cities that make up Metro Manila. And that famous blacktop court is named Tenement after the housing structure that surrounds it. So I'm a trainer coach here. This is my advocacy, how to help people. The Tenement was built on 1962 with uh, President uh, Josedado Macapagal Arroyo. This building was condemned. But the Japan uh, engineering CN test, our building here, it lasts more than 15 years. They said that this place is not safe, but they're wrong. This place is so much love. When we come back, it's time for a quick Tagalog lesson. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, 
think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Cassidy, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but how's your Tagalog? Um, look, this is not like I um, still hold this against <laughs> my mom or my Lola, who, you know, both were in the household I was my whole entire life raising me. Um, but they didn't teach me Tagalog. That's okay. I know a few words. And I know a few phrases like, I naku or... Um, you know, uh, masarap and, um, mm. yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I can, I can say a few things, but, um, not as much as I want to. And I still need to, you know, I, I, I still hold that against my mom. It's their fault. It's their fault. I, I put it completely on them. But yeah. look, it's not a problem. The Tagalog lesson I've got here for you isn't something you would have learned in college courses or Rosetta Stone or pretty much <laughs> anywhere outside of the Philippines among 90s era NBA fans. And I can't even blame this on your mom or your Lola because you had to be a basketball fan to really know this. Now, when I bring up the greatest pick and roll duos of the 90s era, who are the first two players who come to mind? Quick hint, 
You watched your hometown Chicago Bulls beat them in the finals twice. Oh, easy work. John Stockton and Carl Malone. Right. Perfect. And do you remember how the great NBA on NBC announcer Marv Albert would call their plays together back then? Stockton to Malone. Bingo. Well, in Filipino, the version of expanded Tagalog that serves as the Philippines national language, the same exact sounds, that combination of phonetics, they happen to form the sentence Stockton to Malone, <laughs> which means Stockton jumped. <laughs> And every time the mailman delivered on a Stockton assist in those years, it was like Marv and millions of Filipino NBA fans were sharing an inside joke only we could understand. Oh, wow. I, I, I feel the same kind of, if you know, you know, connection with Filipino fans. I mean, you know, while covering the NBA, most of the time we'll be at the big events that draw spectators from all over the world, like All-Star Weekend, Summer League or the NBA Finals. And I'll be walking down like an arena hallway or spot a few fans sitting together in the stands and we'll just make eye contact. And this is something, you know, that like I do just on a daily basis. I will make sure if I think you're a Filipino, I will say something. Filipino? Often I'm right. I'm like 90% right. But specifically with NBA fans who come up to me during games or, you know, at NBA events, I will absolutely say Filipino. And then we would embrace and I would say Filipino, Filipino, Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, they don't point at you. Uh, the dead giveaway is that it's not a head nod. No. It's it's not a point. They they, they kind of gesture their lips, lips. towards you. Like, <laughs> they put, yes, yes, because Filipinos yeah. talk with their face. Yeah. Exactly. Over there. Over yeah. there. <laughs> so so when you see them talking to someone, whoever's next to them, yeah. and then making that like kissing mark gesture yes. at you, <laughs> yeah. it's only to say, you, you see her, Cassidy Hubbard? Yes. It's not Pinoy, creepy. Pinoy. Yeah. yeah. Don't get creeped out. <laughs> and, and a lot of the time, they'll stop me and share a quick version of their own basketball love story and then tell me how much it means to see a fellow Filipino on screen during NBA games. I, I know you hate it every time I tell you how important that is to so many people here to see you represent us so well. I mean, a lot of the time, the country's basketball passion shines brightest when our love for the game comes into contact with the oldest and best pro league in the world. So to have you there, it's incredibly, incredibly a, a proud moment nonstop for all Filipinos everywhere. We've also seen it up close when great players like LeBron or KD come through Manila during their off-season sneaker tours. When Kevin Durant visited Manila, he was greeted by chanting fans everywhere he went. It's a dream to look at, man, and, and, and to see. And then having us players here with them, man, you can't beat that. So, you know, I'm sure you'll see a future NBA player walking around here at some point. I mean, a chance to see a finals MVP in the flesh maybe even get close enough to ask for an autograph or a selfie. It becomes almost like a religious experience and the players feel it too. I mean, I remember any time Kobe Bryant would come to the Philippines on a sneaker tour, the country would stop. Like everybody you knew would be at wherever it was that it was rumored that Kobe would be. It was raining, didn't matter. It was sun, 10 feet right over your head, didn't matter. You were only gonna see a glimpse of Kobe through the glass, didn't matter. There were thousands of people there just waiting to see him. 
The love definitely goes both ways, Nico. I remember back in 2008 after the Boston Celtics beat Kobe and won their first championship since the Larry Bird days, the team celebrated by going to a Manny Pacquiao fight in Las Vegas. And then all of a sudden, after Manny knocked out some poor guy named David Diaz, there was Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, Sam Cassell, and Tony Allen partying in Manny's locker room, and you couldn't tell who was more starstruck to meet the other. I'm not sure KG even knew, but before they went in there, Manny had been calling him his favorite player for years. Huge, man. Huge, man. This this, is what it is, man. I'm a huge Pac-Man fan. That's why we're here. You know that this guy has never asked for a picture for anyone except you. He is your number one fan. Did you know that? And did I'm his number one fan. So. The Philippines' greatest living champion at the time, when he could almost literally do no wrong in the eyes of fellow Pinoy's, engaging in some adorable cross-cultural bromance with future NBA Hall of Famers, with some of the best basketball players on the planet, looking up to our national sporting hero. For Filipinos watching the scene unfold, it was, like Manny said, a dream come true. Later on, Manny's love for KG and the Celtics wound up playing a factor in one of the most controversial fights. The June 2012 loss to Timothy Bradley Jr. that nobody watching the fight seemed to see Manny losing. Rumors swirled after the bout that Manny had angered the ringside judges by postponing his ring walk while he watched the Celtics play the Miami Heat in an Eastern Conference Finals game. I'm still I'm still sour about that loss, by the way. I still demand a recount. <laughs> Same. I remember being so mad. I think I was at a party that night um, watching on my phone and everyone was like, what is wrong with you? Like, this is just an atrocity. <laughs> But I digress. Um, overall, the way that Manny always, you know, wore his love for basketball and the NBA on his sleeve, launching his two-handed catapult of a jump shot in pickup games, his brief and confusing foray into owning, coaching, and playing for his own PBA team, starting his own <laughs> regional pro league to provide opportunities for the surplus of Filipino basketball players who aren't quite PBA caliber. It seems like another perfect example of how basketball touches just every Filipino in the world in some way. You see basketball and the NBA's influence on Manny's life, but really, you see it wherever you look in the Philippines. And the closer you look, the more you see the sports imprint all around you. They're the painted portraits of NBA legends on the sides of jeepneys that you mentioned earlier, often with images of the driver's wife and children on the hood. There are the court-sized murals of LeBron and Kobe that the artists and activists of the tenement community hand-painted onto their home court. Coach Eddie Barbuena told us about the creation of the famous Kobe mural on the tenement court. The mural of uh, Kobe Bryant and Gigi. It's very touchy when that time happens. All the people gather all around the world Actually, the idea of putting the mural here in the famous basketball court tenement is the idea came from the tenement virtual artists. We have our uh, tenement virtual artists here and with cooperation and coordination with the Tahanan Association led by our president, Jennifer Carpin. So the plan was so fast. They do the mural for respect and love to the uh, father and daughter, Kobe and Gigi. 
for three days. They do it that for three days, continuously, without sleep. There are the times you'll catch a glimpse of a tanker truck passing by and realize as it speeds out of sight that it had a gigantic Michael Jordan Jumpman logo painted on the back. One of the most intimate examples of how deep the nation's love of the NBA runs comes from the number of Filipino parents who choose to give their children NBA-inspired names. There's no way to tell exactly how many of the country's Kevins or Allens were named after Garnett or Durant or Iverson, but I promise you, if we could interview each and every one of them, you wouldn't believe how many of them would say they're named after an NBA great. Basically, if a newborn boy in the Philippines isn't named after a saint, there's a good chance he'll be named after the next holiest figure, an NBA legend. The sidestep move by Scotty Thompson. Steve Nash Enriquez gets it to go. He did have an impressive rookie year. He had some bright spots, and now he's just continued to build on it. In case you can't quite believe your ears, I'll slow it down for you. That was Scotty Thompson, reigning MVP of the PBA, whose dad named him Scotty after Scotty Pippen. Then a couple of college players whose namesakes could not be any clearer. National University point guard Steve Nash Enriquez. By the way, Steve Nash Enriquez <laughs> also have a massive ponytail, and he's like five foot eight on his best day, Amazing. which makes him the best player to cover. I love him, <laughs> man. I, I I will say this though, uh, Irvin Magic Ramos was uh, my leading candidate to name my son. My wife would have none of it. We eventually named him Tyler. And depending on how Tyler Hero's career goes, oh, um, is yeah. uh, where I'll stand with the story. Tyler Hero becomes uh, an MVP one day. I'll say my son was named after him. And then you just got it, but you have to add Hero with the double R as the middle name. You know that, right? I don't mind it, Tyler Hero Ramos. I don't mind it. I, I'm into it, actually. <laughs> It's amazing. All right. I think that's our cue to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're traveling back to 1998. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at picksix.draftkings.com slash promos. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Cassidy, you're from Chicago. I'm guessing you recognize that sound. Recognize? 1998. Salt Lake City, Utah. Michael Jordan. The shot. Get off me, Brian. Even though people called you Byron, your name is Brian Russell. Stockton, why don't you tumalone yourself off this court? MJ and the Bulls, second three-peat, 20,000 crying jazz fans. I don't just recognize that sound. I don't just appreciate that sound. I am that sound. I cherish that sound. All right. Okay, Chicago. Easy. Easy. We all saw the push off. Yes, we all watched it. Do you remember where you watched MJ push off Brian Russell? I didn't see any push off. I don't know what you're talking about, but I was in eighth grade (laughs) around then, the time of the shot and only the shot. I was home in my living room watching from the couch like we did every single Bulls playoff game back then. And um, my mom was screaming her absolute head off, like shrieking. Every time, every time a shot went up Um, and I could hear her sometimes when I'd be taking the dog on a walk two blocks down, just screaming, Scotty, (laughs) she'd even scream for Luke Longley, Luke, what are you doing, BJ? I'm like, mom, calm down. You're gonna uh, uh, blood pressure, mom. Blood pressure. But that was that was our household. I mean, to to grow up in the '90s during that era of the NBA. I mean, it's exactly why I am who I am and how I ended up where I ended up. I feel like you are describing my mother uh, with that exact same tone and volume because the Philippines was 13 hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time during that part of the year. So for me, it was Monday morning and it would have been about maybe nine, almost 10 years old um, in elementary school. I was at the sweet spot of just 
really beginning to understand basketball and blossoming as a fan. Because of Jordan and the three-peats, everybody I knew had Bulls merch and only Bulls merch for some reason. Like everyone had relatives in Chicago. Um, back then, it wasn't so easy to watch NBA games on TV. There weren't that many options for cable. And most of the games that we did see were incredibly delayed. The stories folks tell about the NBA's dark ages in the 70s, when finals games weren't aired on live TV and came on sometime in the middle of the night after the news or after the late night talk shows, we were still living in that world some point in the 90s. But those limitations forced us to get creative. And I remember trying to follow, note I say follow, not watch, that game six between Chicago and Utah. And it became one of the great basketball experiences of my life. So at school, much like many, many other schools in the Philippines, we had what were called recess runners. So during the school day, we had a recess period. And one of the kids, the runner, he'd sprint up to the payphone to call his cousin, his friend, or whoever it was they knew that was wealthy enough or lived far away from Manila enough, sneak enough to have one of those bootleg satellites that provided a hazy feed of NBA games. The runner would call his guy, ask for the score, what was happening in the game, how many technicals did Dennis Rodman have, what color his hair is, all that stuff. And he'd come running 100 meters back into the canteen and yell it into the entire student lounge where everybody would be there waiting. That morning of game six, the runner came back. He kind of messed up the story of that last play. It's like a classic literal game of telephone because he came back, sweat all over him, right? He's gasping for breath and he said, Jordan pushed off. He hit the game winner. Jordan pushed Russell. The Bulls win. That may have been the last shot Michael Jordan will ever take in the NBA. Watch Jordan's left hand here as he gives Russell the push. Referee can't see that. That's the image we had in our minds. In our minds, as 10-year-olds, Michael Jordan assaulted <laughs> Brian Russell. <laughs> Just physically hurt him because the guy on the phone told our recess runner that Jordan pushed Russell. And it was our only way of knowing what happened in the moment. And it stayed like that in my mind for about a month and a half before someone finally lent a VHS recording of the game from the States. It was a copy of a copy of a copy. And then I saw that, yes, MJ initiated some contact mm. on that famous play. But it was more like a love tap than the crazy shove that we had imagined. In our mind, it was physical assault. You're telling me this all started, all this talk about a push-off started from a bad game of telephone at your school. That's how this push-off nonsense got started? <laughs> MJ, I'm sorry. City of Chicago, I'm sorry. It was all because of one guy. Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Looking back on it, though, I'm happy. I lived through those days before streaming and cable made it so easy to follow the NBA games. I'm, I'm proud that I came of age during a time when we would do literally anything to get a scrap of information about our favorite teams and players, cook up wild schemes just to hear game updates. Where there's a will, there's a way. 
And when it comes to the Filipinos craving for NBA basketball, there's an entire world's worth of willpower coming out of this small island nation. We asked Donna Reyes if there were any misconceptions about Pinoy basketball culture that she'd like to clear up. Maybe people just aren't aware. Um, maybe they've seen photos or videos of these like makeshift courts. You know, um, you know, all of that is absolutely true. You can literally find like a makeshift hoop in every neighborhood. But it's just that it's not a passing hobby for a lot of Filipino fans. It actually, what we're discovering and we're constantly astounded by this is that for Filipino fans are actually quite sophisticated and knowledgeable about NBA basketball. So if you go up to somebody who's like playing barefoot or in flip-flops, they actually know the nuances of the game. They know the players. They know the history quite well. So that might be a little bit surprising to people, just how, again, sophisticated and knowledgeable Filipino fans are. But so much has changed over the last 10, 20 years. I'm going to kind of date myself here by, by talking about a, li a little bit about this. Um, but that's really kind of dictated by the growing demand for, for NBA content. So I guess if you go back, like maybe the 80s or 90s, you really only watch games on a laid basis, you know, trying to find ways to, to, to watch a game. There used to be these two American military bases just north of Manila, and they had access to the Far East Network, which is, I guess, the Armed Forces Network uh, in the U.S. So if you live close enough, you could pick up the signal and be able to watch like American television, uh, including NBA games. And now, of course, NBA fans in the Philippines can follow the league and watch basketball with every waking hour of their days, thanks to International League Pass, domestic and international media coverage of the league, and cable channels that run live NBA games in the morning and replays at night. But they don't take that access for granted. Nope. Filipinos are now among the most engaged NBA fans in the world, and the league has taken notice. But I think for the, the first real change really came about with, you know, obviously the advent of satellite technology and, and cable TV. You know, as more people, you know, got paid TV subscriptions, we went from getting just a few delayed games per week. And now you have, you know, live games daily. So uh, back in 2010, we even launched a 24-7 NBA channel, which you know, we still have today. Um, and we air now about roughly 18 games on TV per week. The game has definitely evolved a lot of it, I think, is is it just exposure, not just to NBA basketball, but like, you know, international basketball. There's FIBA, you know, other professional leagues like the EuroLeague, the Japan B League, you know, Australian NBL. So if you watch like a PBA or a UAP game now, you'll see that influence in their style of play. You know, I think, again, the game has changed a little bit and we're now playing a little bit more above the rim, but like there's still a lot of play below the rim. So you can see a lot of that creativity and just trying to get to the basket and trying to make those shots. You should see the Donna Reyes AI crossover. <laughs> it's out of this world. I would not Nobody be Nobody has seen it. <laughs> That's the thing. At this point, I think we've done about all we can to illustrate just how widespread the Philippines basketball obsession is and how the country's love of the game runs as deep as it can get. Imagine that, 54,000 people watching a basketball game. I mean, the regular U.S. NBA arena is like, you know, 20, 25, 23. You know, this is 53,000 people. It's a love affair. Uh, it's a love affair with the NBA. One part still feels like it's missing, though. We adore basketball, sure, but why? What part of our history turned the Philippines into a nation of hoopheads, rather than a country full of soccer or cricket or baseball fans? Listen to episode two of Hoops Paradise, the Philippines' love of the game, to find out. 
Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.